I've been vaguely interested in meditation for years, but recently I became fascinated with transcendental meditation after I read Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss, where he sent 11 questions to 140 people at the very top of their game, right across the spectrum from sportsmen, entrepreneurs and scientists. He found that regardless of industry, the vast majority of respondents had a regular meditation practice. Now, I was so intrigued that at the start of 2018, I decided I wanted to see for myself what this was all about. And that's when I met James Miles for the first time at an introductory talk on the ancient wisdom of what practitioners call TM. Now, I'm pretty cynical about most things, but James is a hardened scientist and was able to persuade me of the physical, mental and wider societal benefits of TM. Since then, I've been regularly practicing TM, reading as much as I can about it, and thoroughly enjoying and benefiting from this ancient, simple and natural system. James is leading the push to grow the TM practice in London, and here he talks about how he became involved and his dreams for the future. I'm Steve Lazarus, and this is your London Legacy. Well, I'm delighted to be here today on the podcast with I think I can call him a friend of mine, James, <laughs> James Miles, um, who I got introduced to about six months ago when I decided I wanted to take up TM, Transcendental Meditation. Now, just by way of a little bit of background, I had never had any desire to do anything like meditation before until about the turn of last year, uh, 2017, when I was reading a book by Tim Ferriss, who was interviewing several hundred different people, successful people, and trying to understand what made them tick and why they were so successful across different fields and spectrums. And one of the things that came out time and time again was that a lot of them did some form of meditation. So when I got back at the beginning of uh, from my rest over the Christmas and New Year period in early January, I did some research about meditation courses. I googled it and up popped TM courses, Transcendental Meditation courses local to me. And I went over to an introductory course, which was given by the one and only James Miles. So I want to introduce you to James onto the podcast. Welcome, James. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. And thank you very much for welcoming me and us into your home. Pleasure. In this lovely bright flat we have here in Pimlico, lovely part of uh, London. So James, I want to just ask you a little bit about your background and how you got involved with Transcendental Meditation. Because one of the things that was fascinating for me was that you're from a science-based background. So what is it that led you to get involved in TM? And tell us a little bit about your background. Well, thank you for inviting me on, uh, on this podcast, Steve. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you and uh, yeah, a pleasure to be on, on, on your podcast. So me, well, yeah, how did I get into Transcendental Meditation and how have I become a teacher and now running... Uh, London Northwest TM Centre. Well, about over six years ago now, I was doing my chemistry master's degree. So I went back into education in my late 20s. You could say I was quite experimental in my late teens and uh, 20s, kind of searching around, you know, what was for me. How experimental do you mean, James? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, I mean... Well, I left school at 16 and I said to my parents, um, I went to, you know, a very nice school, had a very good upbringing in Bristol, went to um, the Downs School in Wraxall, very, a very 
hard, you know, academic, disciplined um, schooling, you know, learning Latin at the age of seven. And then it came to the age of 10, and I just thought, oh, this is just too much, guys. And I, I remember saying to mum and dad, you know, I, 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 have to, I have to get out of here. So then I went to a school called Clifton College, and when I got there, I was way ahead. So they actually put me in the year above. But because I could do everything, I, I did kind of start relaxing a lot in school. And um, I suppose I was a, a gregarious character and, and I had some personality. So um, I enjoyed myself, you know. Then it came to 16 and I said, yeah, I want to go and do my A-levels in a sixth form college. But I also want to work at the same time. Yeah. So they said, OK. So I did that. But um, I kind of got a little bit off the rails, you could say. And I left. I, I quit the college and just got into just employment. I set up my own decorating business. And um, well, actually, I did a lot of different jobs. Actually, I was worked for British Telecom. Uh, I was on telesales. I did lots of sales jobs. Uh, I worked on industrial boilers. But then when I hit about 21, I did. I set up my own decorating company. But then in my 20s, I started to be pretty unhappy in life. You know, I, I, I really didn't feel who I really felt I was, you know. And I, I seeked some help, actually. And um, so I went to see someone every week. And yeah, they helped a lot. And I managed to kick, kick some bad habits. And uh, then they suggested, well, you know, you didn't really fulfill your potential at school. So they said, um, you know, why don't you go back and, and redo your A-levels? So this I did at about the age of 27, 28, and um, I cleaned up my act. And uh, I picked a few subjects that I enjoyed at school, chemistry, biology, and maths. And I rediscovered a love for chemistry. And so I worked very hard. I did very well in, my, in, in, in the retakes. And I got into Bristol Uni. That wasn't uh, an easy um, feat. And they actually had not had any mature students come through the chemistry program at Bristol Uni and succeed. So I just put everything into it, uh, even though I was one of the only, uh, I think there was actually two or three of us from that class that went on to Bristol Uni from the, the city of Bristol College to do chemistry. I kind of ramped them all up and, and said, let's go and do this. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed my time there. Yeah, got, got the bachelor's and then decided I hadn't finished and I wanted to do a master's. Yeah. So then about five months into that, I had to do this presentation in a, in a classical lecture theatre to all my peers and professors about my new master's research. And that was looking at how nature does lubrication. So I was looking at biolubrication, how uh, nature does lubrication, say, in the knee. And then I was trying to replicate that in the lab. And then I was playing around with molecular architecture. And then I was measuring frictional forces on the nanoscale. And I had a fantastic couple of years doing that. But about five months into it, I had to do this presentation and I was extremely stressed, Steve. So how many people were in the... Well, well I mean, it was about 70 or 80. Okay, that's you know? a big audience then. Yeah. But I was a guy that wanted to act, Steve, you know, and I still hadn't overcome this, this fear and this, this problem of, of being paralyzed in, in, in large groups. Yeah. So I was at a life drawing class and at Bristol Uni, and I was telling this, this, guy, this gentleman next to me about this problem I had. And he said he'd learned transcendental meditation about three months prior. And he was finding all these benefits in life. Now, being a scientist, and I'd heard about these self-help techniques, and to be honest, I took 
really not much notice of it. I thought it was, you know, something, you know, how can it's like taking a pill? How could something like this, you know, bring about all these benefits of, you know, increased clarity and, and more energy and, and this peace and happiness, which I was most interested about, to be honest. That is what I was lacking in my life. Yeah. You know, everything I tried, even though I'd gone back into education and I was succeeding, I was still dissatisfied, you know, in myself. You know, I had all this fear and uh, you know, I, I wasn't living my, my full potential. Right. So but I looked into it and I, what I discovered was is there's all this scientific research in TM. Yeah, there's over 400 peer-reviewed scientific studies validating the benefits. Yeah, so being a scientist, that caught my attention, and uh, so I decided to meet the the teacher in Bristol, and I just felt really comfortable and solid and co and confident about her. So I decided to learn, and I'm a guy that would try things anyway. And very quickly, Steve, even that day of learning, I started to get benefits. I remember being in a coffee shop with my uh, a good friend of mine. And I always used to find public places overwhelming, just uncomfortable, jarring, paralyzing. Yeah. But I remember sitting there and everything in the coffee shop just dropped. And I just all of a sudden just felt a lot more comfortable in myself and in the surroundings. And I was chatting to my friend and we were he was talking about his problems and we were just effortlessly coming up with solutions to his problems. And I just felt something is going on here. You know, something I, I, I hadn't felt this in a long time. So how long had he been practicing? I had learned that, that day. That day? That day, Steve, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so um, obviously when you would know, Steve, when you learn TM, you, after learning that day on the Saturday, you return to the center on the Sunday eve. So I, re you know, I returned and... Everyone's talking, everyone's getting different benefits at different times. Everyone's phys physiology is different. Yeah. So, you know, you're hearing about people's different experiences, but I just did what the teacher recommends. And all you've got to do in transcendental meditation to get the benefits is be regular morning and evening. So that's all I did. I just stayed regular and life just got better and better and better. I just started to be freed up. I just started to be able to challenge my professor um, with his, you know, his ideas on, on, on the scientific research. You know, I became fearless. I, I was just full of joy. You know, I was able to, to go around. I, I joined the theatre company. I thought actually, I was worried that I was going down this scientific tr track. And then I got offered a Marie Curie scholarship to go to Stockholm and do my PhD. But I thought, oh, no, actually, the arts, the arts is for me, you know. So I went and joined um, the Theatre Society and I directed a play. I then I went to the Bristol Vic. I started doing um, terms there because I thought, oh, well, I want to do acting. You know, and then all these things, this is what happens. Everything, it just, TM just frees you up. You're just able to do whatever you want to do. You know, you just follow your desires and you're able to fulfill them. And then I thought, actually, I was going to dedicate my life to music after about nine months. I, I fell in love with music. I started teaching myself the piano and, and the guitar and drums. I joined a choir. I got very heavily into the music scene in Bristol. I, artists were, were asking me to manage them. I set up a, a radio show, a podcast. Are you telling me this isn't the first podcast you've been involved with? No, I'm, I'm disappointed. <laughs> well, um, this is the first one I've been invited on. So ah, it's great. Okay. But I realized that TM was fundamental to all of this. Yeah. So I thought I had to become a, a teacher. And I actually, I turned down the Marie Curie scholarship in Stockholm. And I thought that if I'm going to do any scientific research now, it's going to be in TM. So I got in touch with King's here in London. And I, I said, look, I want to do T research TM uh, in the field of epigenetics to see how it affects gene expression. 
So I have a molecular geneticist on board there who hosts me. But I, I also thought before embarking on this PhD, this is going to take four years of my life, I need to um, become a teacher of this, you know. And so that's what I did, pr you know, prior to embark embarking on my PhD, which I plan to do next year. Yeah. What I find fascinating is the, if you like, juxtaposition or your movement from your science background and your science, deep science knowledge into something which a lot of people would probably consider to be a little bit sort of woo-woo and left field and a little bit going throw throwback to the Beatles, you know, yeah. and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and all that sort of stuff. I, I have to confess, I came from that sort of train of thought as well. Yeah. But now having been involved only for a short period of time, for less than six months in TM and starting to learn and understand for myself, I can see fully that it, it's none of those things. But how do you balance that science with what is in effect really a very natural process that we're, that we're doing when we practice TM? Well, the first thing that really matters is, is your experience. So I, I, you know, I was experiencing this in life, you know, the, the changes. And that's what I realized about academia. It was just studying life. It wasn't actually being the fullness of it. So that was the first thing, you know, I felt completely different, you know. But then secondly, there was all this research to back it up. As soon as Marishi came out in, in the 60s, um, in the 50s, he said to scientists, do your research. So that's why there's all this research on, on, on physiology, sociological research, psychological research. There's this research in deep physics. You know, that really caught my attention. You know, I like reading stuff that is hard to get to grips with. You know, that's what challenges me. That's, that's you know, it's nice to get, try and get your mind around that. You know, that's what I love, love about chemistry. You know? So if there's stuff in there I don't understand, you know, I want to get in there. So the science backs it up, you know. And this is the beautiful thing about this this era that we live in, Steve, is we live in this scientific era, you know. We have this ob this study of the objective field of life. But now what Maharishi has given us is the experience of of subjectivity. You're talking, I believe, about Maharishi, Mahesh Yogi, who was the the, the, the chap who brought it into contemporary modern-day Western thinking if you like i think it was in the 50s and 60s exactly yeah yeah but he himself was trained by uh, somebody else who is who goes by the name of Gurudev. Well, Gurudev. Gurudev. Uh, Bhagwan Swami Brahmananda Sarasvati yes that's easy for you to say <laughs> <laughs> um, yes he was his master and tm comes from a long tradition of over 5000 years you see so the most recent custodian of this knowledge of, of Transcendental Meditation was Maharishi's master, Gurudev. But after, so Maharishi spent 13 years with, with Gurudev. He actually was, do, he was doing a physics degree in India. And he saw Gurudev and he, he was just bowled over. He was like, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. He could just see that he was, he was something special. And, uh, but Gurudev said to him, no, go and finish off your your degree, just tidy up, make it all neat, and then come back and find me, and then and then we'll go from there. Yeah, and then he spent thirteen years, and then Gurudev moved on, and then Marishi just went to the, the Himalayas and just spent a couple of years, you know, just enjoying life, being in absolute bliss consciousness. Yeah, but he just kept he just kept getting this thought that well, it was just a very simple thought that he had to go somewhere else. Yeah, and just to a, a local well, nearby um, city or area or town, not somewhere they normally go. But just from doing that, everything just started to unfold, that the knowledge of this 
this inner life. You know, life has two sides to the coin of life. Yeah, it's inner and outer. And we've just lost this inner, this transcendent, this most settled state of the mind, this this pure consciousness, this this pure awareness. And uh, he just he just thought this is everyone in the every human being has to have this knowledge. Yeah. No, a lot of people in India actually were unhappy with Maharishi because normally this knowledge just goes to the to the upper hierarchies of 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 society so it's kept almost like a secret yes to the king idea to the yes. kings yeah but Marishi thought no we all have the same physiology we we have to have everyone have to have this knowledge yeah? and not only that but he wanted it tested as well because he wanted it scientifically demonstrated and proven exactly. the benefits of it exactly Be- because we live in this scientific age this is the language that we respond to yeah so so he urged the, the scientists to do their testing and uh, and that's why we you know the in the first some of the first research in Harvard in 1970, a scientist by the name of Robert Keith Wallace, a physiologist, he found that when people were doing TM, that there was um, significant signatures, significant markers on the physiology. So different breathing rates, different metabolic rates. And, and most significantly was the brain activity it was most different to any other of the, to the other three states of consciousness that we're used to waking, dreaming, sleeping. So they classified it as a fourth state of consciousness, as important as the other three states. So, James, just tell us a little bit about the process of meditation, this particular form of meditation, transcendental meditation, and also how it differs from other forms of meditation, because there is a subtle difference between TM and, say, for example, mindfulness, which is the current current vogue meditation technique. Yes, yes. Okay, well, I'd love to, because this is the beauty of transcendental meditation steve and i'm sure this is what you experience and and the first three words that any tm teacher will generally say or, or how to describe tm is the fact that it's simple it's natural and it's effortless okay and those three words are so so key there's no concentration involved there's no contemplation there's no trying there's no trying to accomplish anything and it's done morning and evening, 20 minutes, just sitting comfortably, just as we are now. We don't have to be any, in any particular position. And the mind naturally just starts to experience more peaceful, more quieter, more charming aspects of the thinking process until it goes beyond the thinking process to a state of pure consciousness, to the transcendent. Yeah, this is just the most settled state of awareness. And this is wholly fulfilling to the mind, Steve. It's what the mind is looking for. So we come out and we have more clarity. We feel more fulfilled. Yeah, we're more effective. We're more efficient. Yeah, and we have this peace and this happiness within. So this peaceful state that you find yourself in, is that a state that you find yourself in only whilst you're doing the TM or is this something that goes beyond that in your normal working day in your wakeful time and in your sleep how, how does it manifest yes exactly exactly good question so what's happening as you're doing your tm is you're diving morning and evening and you're locating the state of restful alertness this is what they classified it in harvard in 1970 this fourth state of consciousness this transcendental consciousness uh, as a state of restful alertness so you locate it and what's happening is and then you're bringing it out into activity yeah. So the this state of transcendental consciousness starts to overlap into the other three states of consciousness, waking, dreaming and sleeping. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're in you're in waking consciousness, but at the same time, you have this 
this state of restfulness within you, but you're fully sharp, you're fully awake. So this is, this is unfolding our full potential. This is us being at our best all the time. Yeah? Um, we're living our full consciousness. And this is leading to higher states of consciousness. Yeah? And Maharishi talks about a fifth state of consciousness. So once this state of transcendental consciousness, the state of restful alertness, it becomes a permanent fixture in this waking, dreaming, and sleeping states, then it becomes a fifth state. And he calls this cosmic consciousness a state of enlightenment yeah just no stresses or strains in the system this isn't some mystical term it's just us at our best you know people experience you know peak moments or peak um performances people have these moments of bliss or um they feel like they're in the zone a lot of sportsmen say they're in the zone where they're totally focused on what they're trying to achieve and everything around them goes and they go into like a bubble. Exactly. And everything's just very easy and, and um, nothing really matters. They're just enjoying everything. I mean, I, there's a, a scientist in, in Oslo and he's doing experiments on CEOs, uh, Olympic athletes and professional musicians, classical musicians. And they talk about having these peak experiences. There's this particular what is it, a, um, a snow skier, a cross-country skier. And he's, been, he's won so many Olympic medals, yeah. He doesn't even care about the medal, Steve. He's just having, he's in so much bliss when he's just, he's effortlessly winning. But this is just examples of people living in higher states. of. So how does this compare with other forms of meditation that we're mm. seeing today? So what I mentioned about TM is it's simple, it's natural and effortless. Yeah. Now, with other forms, and they, they've confirmed this with the research, the brain activity, but say other, there's, they've, they've put uh, meditations into three broad categories. Okay, there's focused attention. Yeah, this is like focusing the mind. Yeah, you know, concentrating. This takes effort. It kind of keeps the mind, you know, on the surface. And there's particular brain activity that's, that's, that that's a marker of. Then there's open monitoring. Yeah, this is maybe watching or observing. Yeah, this is mindfulness. Mindfulness yeah. today, yeah. And then there's techniques that, what do they call it? Self-transcending, yeah? So these are techniques that transcend the actual technique itself. And this is where transcendental meditation comes in. The thing is, how TM works is, and this is the beauty, this is the the beauty of the, the knowledge that Marish has brought out, is that TM utilizes the very nature of the mind. Now, what is the nature of the mind, Steve? It's always to go to a, a field of greater happiness. Yeah, we always want more. Better this, better that, more power, more knowledge. Um, we always want to improve. Yeah, it's just, it's just that force of evolution. We can't escape it. It's just to grow, to get better. But when you turn the mind inwards, a thought is more charming at its source. Yeah. So in TM, we just take a dive, take the correct angle, and we just let go. Yeah. So we just use. So TM utilizes the very nature of the mind, and that is key. That's what makes it so natural, simple, and effortless. So can you just very briefly give us an outline of the process by which one mm. meditates? Sure. Sure. So when you when you learn TM, well, there's two things to learn. Yeah. You receive. So you receive a thought. Okay. And a thought normally has two, two aspects to it. Yeah, it has a meaning and a, and a sound quality. But in, in TM, we take a thought that has no meaning. And uh, so this is called a mantra. Okay? And, and the beauty of this is it, it keeps the mind lively 
but undirected. Okay, so that's why the mind naturally goes to where it wants to go. It wants to go to these more charming aspects of the mind until it reaches more than the most, this most um, settled state of awareness. What's happening, TM, is you're gaining this, this deep rest. Okay, so you, you, I mean, you go to sleep, you get your rest, you get rid of the fatigue of the day, and then you wake up, have a shower, wash your face, maybe do a bit of stretching, and then take a dive, do your TM. Okay, and this is like pulling back on a on a bow and arrow. Yeah. So some would say, if I can just butt in there quickly, yeah. some would say, well, I've just been to sleep. Yes. If I'm waking up. Why? Why do I want to start relaxing again? Surely yeah. I'm ready yeah. and raring to go. Assuming you've had a decent night's sleep. Sure, sure, and you feel a bit fresher, definitely. And and that's um, a very valid point. In fact, Jerry Seinfeld, um, he learned when he was uh, eighteen or nineteen, and he thought the same thing. He's like, I've just been asleep. Why do I want to get more rest now? And so he, he stopped doing that. And uh, he just did his TM at lunch. But then he realized after uh, 40 years that really he should be doing it morning and evening. Because what's happening is, is you're gaining an even deeper level of rest. Okay. And that's what the research shows. Okay. So what's happening is, is you're, is you're getting rid of this deep stress in the system. Okay. So you're removing that and you're gaining this state of restful alertness. Okay. So this is why Maharishi calls it the fourth state of consciousness, because this is this next stage beyond sleep and dreams. Yes, exactly. Yes. It, it underpins all those states of consciousness. Yeah. So you're making that lively and then, and then you, you come, you, so you, so you slept, you take a dive, you make that lively, remove deep stress from the system, and then you come out and you're, you're even more fresher, you're even more clear, yeah? And so you're able to achieve even more and accomplish more in your day. But then, you know, you've been working all day, then you want to take another dive at around four, five, six, seven o'clock, yeah? People finish work five, six o'clock. You maybe before you get home or you finish work, you could just take a dive in the office or if there's a church next door, just take a dive or just sit in your car, just pull over. If there's a traffic jam, just do your TM. And then you're fresher and you're set up for the evening. So you don't actually need anywhere in particular to do your meditation, your practice. So you can do it pretty much anywhere? You can do it anywhere, Steve, yeah. Uh, as you know from your training, noise is no barrier to meditation. Now I ask you, Steve, where have you done it anywhere where you would have thought it would have been difficult? Do you do it in public places at all? <laughs> I have done it in one public place. I did it in, I think it was Pool Harbour. Oh, right. Yeah, because we went away um, shortly after I did my training. We went away down to the coast and I said to the wife, I have to do my, my TM yeah. for 20 minutes. And I found a quiet bench overlooking the harbour. And there I sat while she went off um, window shopping or whatever. And I have to say, yeah, you think you, you, you get a bit self-conscious at times, uh -huh. but I tell you what, when you when you closed your eyes and you're in a deeper, quieter place, you don't really care about what. Pe and quite frankly, I don't think they they care. They've, no. seen, they've seen far worse than you sitting there with your eyes closed. Quite. So yeah, but I mean, I, I hear people who do it in all sorts. You know, you can do it on the London Underground. You can do it anywhere, really. Yeah. And you see it more and more. People just seem to be shutting their eyes and doing something, don't yeah. they? Yeah. I mean. You sit on the, as I say, you sit on the underground and you, you see and hear all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Most people ignore you anyway. Mm. <laughs> they, they ignore people who start to talk to you. Well, so they're not going to start with you if you're sitting there with your eyes closed. No. I think they enjoy actually. It's nice to see someone settling down. Yeah. So you can do it in the morning. You should do it in the morning when you when you arise. And yes. Preferably on a, an empty stomach. Very good. Yes. You've been trained well. Steve. I have. I don't know who my trainer was. <laughs> He's a good guy, I guess. What, what happens is, you know, when you eat... 
this is raising the metabolism. And in TM, you're doing the opposite. Okay. So yeah, take a dive, do your TM before your breakfast, before your dinner. Yeah. If not, you want to wake an hour or two before doing your TM. Yeah. Maybe if you get hungry, um, you know, around five, six o'clock, maybe have a snack around three, four o'clock, and then you can do your TM at five, six o'clock before dinner. I have to say from a personal point of view, that's the one I find the most difficult. I've got a routine established very clearly now around the morning one yeah. where I'm left alone mm. <laughs> in the morning um, with the other members of the house and um, the after, late, late afternoon, early evening one. I always, this is just me personally, mm. I always find things get in the way, work goes on longer than you think. Yes. You know, people coming and going and You should treat it as a meeting in itself. You're quite Steve. right. I should establish a routine and have it in the calendar yeah. of my diary every day that yeah. particular time yeah um, you're absolutely right and i have to say i do find i do look forward to that time of day because whether or not i get long lasting benefit i'm still developing that benefit but i know for sure i get benefit whilst i'm actually doing it for that 20 minutes i can feel my physiology my heart rate goes right down I, very 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 rapidly i can feel it i can feel loads of thoughts coming and going non-stop and it's this um, talk that Bob Roth calls the, the gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You've got to do this, you've yeah, got to do yeah. that, you've got to do Like a monkey mind. Monkey mind. But that will eventually, after five minutes maybe, start to settle down. And I come back to the mantra. And then gradually, gradually. And then before you know it, the 20 minutes is up. And it's quite remarkable. Sometimes that 20 minutes feels like it's gone in five minutes or less. And I think, wow, what, what happened there? But I do feel very good afterwards. So I, I do look forward to it extremely. Um, but I do know you've got to create a routine about uh, around doing it. Otherwise, yes. you're not going to reap the full benefit. That's right. That's that's the hardest thing, really, is just fitting it into your routine. But once you've been doing it for a little time, a month or so, then it does become just like brushing your teeth. And you realize the benefits, so you just want to do it, as you're saying yourself. TM practice is why you know worldwide very popular, and it's got immense popularity in America. You know, there's a lot of very famous people in America, celebrities who, you know, talk about it. You know, you've got Hugh Jackman, Martin Scorsese, you've got mm. Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah Winfrey, you mentioned uh, Jerry Seinfeld. So there's a big, big push, in, uh, you know, on social media and on the television networks over there, the books that are written. Over here in the UK, it's a lot less. It's much more subdued. And I think we've got the British stiff upper lip yes. sort of mentality yes. going on here. Yes. This goes back to what I was saying before. It's a bit woo-woo. Now, the Beatles famously made it, brought it to, into public awareness back in 67, I think yeah, it was, roughly, yeah, mm. when they met Marishi in, was it Wales, I think? Wales, in yeah, Wales. yeah. And I think Paul McCartney talks about it even to this day, oh, his, yes. his experiences. So why is it, do you think, it's not taken on to such a big, to, in the way it has in America? And what are you, <laughs> James Miles, going to do about it? Because <laughs> I know you've got some plans in Lon in the London area, which is, why I wanted us to come and talk to you as well. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I think you're right. It is the British reservedness. We take a bit of time. The Americans can, they are just, they do just go for it, don't they? I think meditation just does have that that preconception that it's uh, maybe it's a difficult thing to do. Because it's not a religion. Let's get this. It, it, it's not, it's good to be spiritual, but you don't have to, it's not done in a religious context of any sort. There's people from all religions practicing. Quite. TM. Yeah. There's no belief system. Exactly. Yeah. Anyone can do. Because that was something that did, you know, I have my own personal religious belief uh, and 
many others do as well, but this doesn't impinge on that at all. It's not a lifestyle. You don't have to change your lifestyle. You don't have to change your religion. So I'm just keen to understand why it hasn't become more popular in the UK. Yeah, I, I think it, it is. You know, um, it is growing. And, I th you know, as you said, mindfulness is, is the big thing at the moment. But a lot of people are coming to TM from doing mindfulness. You know, they're not finding the benefits that they, they, they were expecting. You see, so I think in the end, it's all just going to it's just going to come out. Whatever works, works, doesn't it? You know, I think it just takes time. Consciousness is rising. And, you know, we have all these systems set up and it's not so easy. You know, we're trying to get TM on the NHS. We were in Parliament last year. There's been lots of talks. We gave all the scientific research to Parliament. There's an early day motion to get yoga in, into the NHS. We now have European funding to teach 150 school children and teachers. So we're looking for a school to take that on. In fact, one is taking it on. We, we, we can do another one now. There is a school up in the north, isn't there? North of country. Yes, that's something else. That is a school that's been going since, I think, um, maybe the 80s. And uh, that's in Skelmersdale. And that's where the, the school children, they do TM morning and evening and, and with huge success. They, they've had periods where they just kept winning awards for whether it be mathematics or poetry. But I think it's all down to consciousness, Stephen. Consciousness is, is rising and more and more uh, people are going to realize the benefits of TM. And, and this is why, you know, being a scientist, I want to do more research in TM just to spread the awareness. You know, we live in this scientific age and people want to hear the validation from the scientific research. So that's why we have this new field, this field of epigenetics. And that's why I want to take, you know, dive into that and, and see how TM affects that. So there are different groups around London where people can go if they want to learn and have an introductory talk you know there's no charge as, as i understand mm, no charge see if it's something that interests them they want to take up what are your plans for growing the um, tm practice in in london area yes 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 yeah well what i want is is yes to spread the awareness of tm so people just know about it i would love to have shop fronts you know people can just drop in anytime it gets people talking on on the street yeah so there has been a little bit of a dip, you know, the next generation is, is now coming through, the next generation of TM teachers, but we're, we're planning to get a, sell a couple of properties in, in London and we're looking for a, a, a beacon of a TM centre in central London where people can just drop in and, and people can do their meditations morning and evening and in groups. The beautiful thing about TM is, is when you do it together, it has a, a more profound more deepening effect on the physiology so you have you know you gain even deeper risk. yeah no i totally agree the times i've done it in a group setting have been really much yes. more pleasurable yeah. yes you, yes it is it's um quite remarkable but th what they also found was through the research was that when people are in groups this is having an effect on the collective consciousness of, of the rest of society in that area it's creating coherence harmony and peace they did these experiments in the 70s and 80s and they found that 99% of the population don't even need to be doing TM to be receiving the benefits. Yeah. So, you know, this is what I want. This is this is the ideal, Steve, is to have, you know, a central TM London centre, you know, looking after central London and then have these satellite centres all around London and people can just drop in, do group, do group meditation and this will just unfold this will mop up 
unfold the full potential and mop up all the stress in society so that we can all live our full potential, be at our best and uh, just live in, in bliss consciousness. Well, I think on that note, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. It's been a pleasure to be here with you and, and hear your thoughts on, uh, on TM and your journey. For me, it's bit, I'm still on a, a very steep learning curve, but I'm enjoying every moment of it, I have to say. Um, what benefits have you received? Well, as I said, I think um, certainly I, I love the moment, being in the moment of doing the TM, those 20 minutes. I, I certainly initially found some significant benefits with my sleep. Ah, yes. Um, because I've been a chronic insomniac for many, many years, been on and off all sorts of different medication to try and help me sleep. I've tried everything from hypnotherapy mm. to breathing exercises and sleep clinics and all sorts of different things. And I don't sleep every night very well, but the best sleep I've had has certainly been since I've been doing TM, without, without question. Absolutely without question. In fact, last weekend, the weekend before last, I went on a TM retreat and I slept like a baby that first night for the i slept seven hours straight straight through and i almost felt like crying the next morning because i didn't even realize that i'd been in such a deep sleep amazing which is just unheard of for me so that that in itself is just a ma major breakthrough plus i also get the deep sensa sensation of relaxation when, I, when i'm doing tm i'm still working on the long i know it's a natural easy process but i'm still hoping to achieve more and more progression as i as i you just got to be regular steve you got to be regular i know and what I'm about not, your family do they do they uh make any comments on, on they they leave me be they 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 know i do it i i'm not in the process of sort of being terribly evangelical about it and trying to push them into doing no, it no, sure. but i think as they see me improving and being more relaxed and hopefully being less because i Everybody, particularly in London, has very, very stressful lives. Yeah, that's why I'm My here. job is very stressful. I deal with people's insurance claims. So when the properties have burnt down or their businesses have been flooded, they're very stressed. And they almost expect me to take on a degree of their stress. So I'm stressed about the business. I'm taking on their stress. I have my own personal stresses, you know, that we all have. And so if my family around me can see me doing this and getting the benefits of it, I think that'll sell itself to them anyway. And I have to say, I've also met some wonderful people, yourself included, uh, from all walks of life. I mean, I, you know, when I went on the course a couple of weeks ago, there were doctors and nurses, wow, and yeah. uh, there was a banker there, and there was a mother with her daughter traveling from Australia. There were people from all walks of, yeah. of and that's, that is a really lovely thing to behold. Yeah. You know, these are not unintelligent people. So what I love about it is the, the history behind it. And the science behind it as well, because there's lots of evidence from what I can see and have read about the benefits, even to people who are in the army that are teaching people with, you know, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And they're, they're sort of saying how wonderful it is for them. It's remarkable. So if you can do what you're hoping to achieve in London, I think um, I'll be delighted. I think London will be delighted and the, the greater TM movement will be delighted I as well. I need to go and speak to the mayor, I think. The mayor? Yeah. Yeah, Sadiq Khan. Have you met him? I haven't met him, oh. but he's on my list of people to speak to. Good. Oh. So, uh, I'll tune in. Whoever gets there first, let's invite the other one across to speak to him. So just in closing, James, um, how do people find out if they want to do a TM course or go to an introductory course? How do they find out about their nearest course in London yeah. or beyond London? And how do they contact you if they want to speak to you personally? Well, the best thing to do, Steve, is... Just go to, if you've got any questions, any queries, you want to find out more about TM, is just go to the national website, and that is uk.tm.org. And you can just put in your postcode, and you can find the closest 
center to you, your local center. And then you can just contact your TM teacher or from that website, you can just book on to a free introductory talk. And they generally last an hour. And the TM teacher will tell you all about TM and you can ask all your questions and queries. And then from there, you can go on and learn. And it's as we've been talking, it's very simple to learn. Really, the course is four days. Um, you learn on, on the Saturday, it takes an hour. And then you come back to the center on the Sunday, the Monday and the Tuesday evening for an hour and a half. And people start having questions and experiences. So we just give some intellectual understanding. And there are themes to each night. But it's very simple, very straightforward. But then we just look after you for six months just to make sure you're happy and you're getting the benefits. And the wonderful thing about TM is once you've learned it, you've got that skill for life. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, you just one-off payment. And yeah, as Steve says, you, you, you've got it for the rest of life. James, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much Thank indeed. Thank you, Steve. Thank keep you. up your good work. <laughs>